Hello, White Sox fans. It is Crystal O'Keefe back with episode four of Visiting Dugout brought to you by Southside Sox and Fans First Sports Network. Today on the show, I have Ben Jones from Twins Talk and a member of the Fans First Sports Network family. Ben, hello. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you, Crystal? You know, I can't complain. It's like actually sunny and a little warm for a chance. So yeah, we're, we're getting there. We're not quite there yet, but it's looking like, you know, we're going to get some good baseball weather here soon. Oh, thank goodness. I know it is always rough in Minnesota. I have a few friends out there and they're just like, it's still snowing here. I'm sick of the snow. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Oh man. So, um, <laughs> as of this recording right now, at least the twins are leading the American League Central. And it's typically kind of a consistent top three between the Twins, Guardians, and White Sox. So where do you kind of see the Twins sitting by like midseason and then again kind of in September as we look ahead? Yeah, I I think the Twins will be right there in the middle of the division race the whole way. Um, You know, if the early season showings are anything to go off of, the starting pitching looks like it could be one of the best in the league this year. Uh, the lineup has been pretty injured to start, but getting everybody back, getting everybody healthy, uh, I think that should round into form as well. And so, um, you know, the Twins aren't without their questions, the lineup and the bullpen primarily, but I feel like the Guardians and the White Sox both also have similar questions, so it should be a close race down the stretch. Yeah, it's kind of odd that we have all of these issues, but, you know, those three teams always remain as a fight to first. Yeah. I mean, even last year, right, the Guardians end up winning the division by 12, 13 games, whatever it was. But, you know, beginning of September, all three of the teams were still right there in it. Yeah, they were still really hot in September, which it just always blows me away how mediocre this division can be. But still, <laughs> oh, someone, yeah. someone has to come out on top. Definitely. Uh, yeah, I feel the same way with the White Sox. I mean, we've always have a string of injuries. We're already missing Elo Jimenez, who messed up his hamstring within the first week of baseball. And then our bullpen has just kind of been hot garbage. Jose Ruiz was just designated for assignment. And, you know, without without Liam Hendricks in there right now, it's it's just a mess. Um, yeah. And all, all love to Liam Hendricks, obviously former twin. We hope we just heard he's cancer-free, and so we hope he's able to get back out there soon and be the dominant pitcher he's always been. Yes, I am not an emotional person, and I bawled like a baby watching that video of him ring the bell. I was like, this is everything yeah. I did this week to kind of just make it better. Yeah, even as a Twins fan, I, I think baseball is better when Liam Hendricks is out there. He's always fired up. He's always happy to be pitching, and I think that that's something that's really special. Yeah, I can't think of a single person I've talked to that – you know, is not a White Sox fan, but loves Liam. And, you know, he's had his history on teams. He's been an A, he's been on the Blue Jays. You know, he's been he's been around the league. So I think everybody just kind of loves him anyway. Definitely. Um, so, yeah, like I said, the, the White Sox and the Twins, they've always kind of had a bit of a rivalry every year. I know White Sox fans love to post the TS memes without the wins. <laughs> but uh, how do you feel kind of going into this first series with the White Sox? Um, I, I think the biggest question for the Twins will be if they can score. They have uh, a rash of injuries. They had a bunch before the season started, and now the lineup's been hurt a little bit more recently. Uh, Max Kepler and Joey Gallo went down. Uh, it's unclear how severe their injuries are. They're not on the injured list currently, but Max Kepler hasn't played in almost a week. Uh, Gallo just went out yesterday. 
Um, and then before the season, they put Jorge Polanco and Alex Kirilov on the injured list. And so that's really four opening day starters, guys who are supposed to be opening day starters who are missing right now. And they've had a few guys step up uh, in their absence, notably Trevor Larnick. But basically outside of the top four of Buxton, Correa, Larnick, and Miranda, it's been a lot of nothing. And so the the pitching is going to keep a minute because they've been really, really solid so far. The biggest question is just going to be if they can score enough runs to make it competitive. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you got you got some big hits right away that went on the injured list. Not not to mention Royce Lewis, also their either top or second ranked prospect who got a second ACL tear and is out until the middle of June as well. Gosh, that's rough. But you know, I I always get feisty when the twins play, but that's always just a bummer when you have to face that news. Cause those are all incredibly talented guys. So I feel for you. I know how that injury bug works with the way yeah, sure. it's always brutal every year. Um, but yeah, we're going to take a very quick break so that we can pay some bills, keep the lights on. So we'll be back in just a second. Okay. White Sox fans. Welcome back. I am Crystal O'Keefe, and again, I have Ben Jones here to talk about all things twins. So, Ben, what, again, are kind of your key takes to the twins winning this series? I know you mentioned hitting, but, you know, what else is there? Like, who's kind of a really big threat right now that the White Sox need to look ahead of? Yeah, I I think for the twins, beyond the hitting, the big other piece will be the bullpen. Um, the starting pitcher, they have five really solid starters. I don't think they'll be necessarily as good as they've, as they've been through this first week, but you know, they're going to go out and they're going to give you five, six really good innings every single time. The bullpen has a lot more questions. Uh, there's obviously, uh, Yohan Duran, who is one of the best, most electric relievers in baseball. He's fantastic. And then they have kind of the back end with him there of Griffin Jacks and Caleb Thielbar. Griffin Jacks has taken a big step forward this year. He's looking like a real relief weapon. Uh, but beyond that, that's where you have a lot of questions. Jorge Lopez was supposed to be that other big uh, back end bullpen type of guy after they acquired him from the Orioles at the trade deadline last year. But he fell apart. He had made some tweaks to his pitches that didn't go well. Uh, this year so far, he's looking a lot better, but the strikeouts aren't quite where you'd want them. It's only a few appearances, but even though the numbers have been solid, kind of the underlying data doesn't look as good. And then uh, Emilio Pagan, who is the most frustrating reliever I've probably ever covered as the Twins. He has the worst home run rate in the history of Major League Baseball. He's historically bad at giving up home runs. Uh, anytime he enters the game, he's probably going to give up a home run. And so that, that'd be the main thing is, do they have, you know, enough starting pitching to get to the back end of the bullpen where they're solid? Uh, but, you know, maybe those middle innings is where the White Sox could exploit them. Yeah, right now we've got a couple, I mean, really hot players. Luis Roberts been on a streak. Juan Moncada has been rare early form Moncada. It's, we call it, you know, the odd year Moncada because it seems like every other year he just goes on, he's just on fire every year. And then Tim Anderson has been hitting really well in each series. I mean, despite losing by a lot to the Giants and then back-to-back with the Pirates, um, he's still hitting. So as long as he stays in the game and doesn't get chirpy with some other pitchers, um, yeah, they're they're kind of a threat, especially to any of those bullpens that come up. So, Yeah, I, I think we've already talked a lot about some of the parallels between the Twins and the White Sox, right? And I think that's the big thing is um, 
They both have a lot of guys who are kind of more streaky hitters. Um, Correa maybe doesn't quite have that uh, reputation, but he very much goes really hot, really cold. Buxton the same way. Um, and then the health question that, that's kind of lingering over these teams all the time with uh, Aloy Jimenez and Luis Robert. I know Tim Anderson missed a lot of time last year. And of course with the twins, Byron Buxton just guaranteed to miss 60 games at some point. It's just a matter of when. And so, you know, having those really important players where when they're healthy, when they're hitting well, they can look like one of the best teams in the league. But without them, it's, you know, it can look a little rough. Yeah. Although it seems like every time the White Sox face the twins, Byron Buxton is the thorn in their side, no matter what. I think he is just, he shows no mercy when it comes to hitting the White Sox teams at all. And I mean, you guys are going to be up against... You know, you've got Dylan Cease and Lance Lynn in this series, but at the same time, Lance has had a really rough two starts. Dylan Cease is clearly our ace, but he also walks a lot. So it's going to be kind of a really up and down series. I just, I have no idea how this one's going to play out, but it always makes a fun time. We try not to razzle Twins Ted too much. Um, someone recommended him to come on the podcast and I was like, I don't think I could do that to White Sox fans. I don't have anything nice to say about that guy. And so we'll just move on. <laughs> it's probably for the best. Oh, so man. a more broad scale, I've, I want to always get feelings on how do you like these new rule changes? I know I'm kind of in favor of this pitch clock, um, but I know some people just aren't. So how do you feel about these new rules? Yeah, I'm for them. Definitely. I think like you mentioned, the pitch clock is the biggest one where we've had a lot of games primarily because they've been low scoring, but a lot of games that are being finished under two hours for the Mm -hmm. twins specifically. And, you know, I I know there's maybe some old heads that like, Oh, I want to sit down for three hours and drink a few beers and eat some pizza and, you know, have the real game day experience. But I'm like, listen, I got stuff to do, you know, <laughs> like let's, let's get in, let's do the game. This is awesome. I love watching the twins, but you know, maybe I don't necessarily want it to take up my whole night. And so I, I think that's been really good. And then just looking at it from a casual fans perspective too, you know, if you want to get the younger audience that MLB is so desperately trying to get engaged in baseball, shortening the games is something that's really going to help. And I think it's important to point out too, that with the pitch clock, yeah, maybe they're forcing shorter games, but Games were already typically, you know, two and a half hours as recently as 10 years ago. And so they're just trying to get the game back to where it was before, you know, you had every player stepping out on every at bat and every pitcher going through every pitch possibility with the catcher, right? It's just taking out a lot of the dead time. It's not shortening the game. Everybody still has the same amount of chances as they did before. There's been very few violations. So I'm very pro pitch clock so far. And you have to think it's probably better for their arms overall, if they're not just constantly overextending that. And um, I mean, I just saw the other day, I just covered it. Sandy Alicantra threw a complete game in an hour and 59 minutes. Yeah, I guess the twins. Yeah. So it's just like, wow, that's, I mean, that's impressive because it does. It can, especially like, you know, when we get to summer and you're sitting in a stadium in August and it's a three hour long game and you just, you just want to go home. Yeah. Uh, so I and and I also watch a ton of minor league games. We have a we have the Pirates affiliate where I'm at, so I go to a lot of Indianapolis Indians games. And I was kind of used to that pitch clock from last year when they were trying it out then. So 
it really didn't affect me at all. I didn't even feel like a change. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, as we get more into it, you you mentioned sort of the pitchers not having that time between pitches. Um, I know initially there hasn't really been any issues, but once you get into July, August, it's hot. They're sweating, right? Everything's going on. I'll be interested to see if they're still going as deep into games as they typically are. Maybe they're getting fatigued a little faster. There's not as enough, uh, not as much recovery time. Uh, but so far, I think all signs are looking really good with it. Yeah. And I'm all for extra bases if it means, you know, not as many hamstring injuries because that, that plagues everyone in the league. I, Remember, I think it was 2021 where it seemed like every other player, every other day, there was a, well, they're going to be out for six to eight weeks for a hamstring injury. Definitely. Yeah. It's, uh, and I think that's one thing that MLB is conscious of, right? They've already shown they're willing to tweak a little bit as they're sort of figuring it out. I don't know if they tweak necessarily mid season, but at least going into next season, I think, um, you know, they're, they're flexible to maybe this isn't the only way, which is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then what are your thoughts for this season as a whole? Like, who do you have going all the way? Or maybe who was your underdog for this whole season? Yeah. So I think as far as an underdog goes, I really think that whoever does come out of the Central is going to have a good chance to make a deep playoff run. Uh, the, the Central is going to be underrated. It's always underrated. But you saw last year with the Guardians where, yeah, they didn't go as far as they wanted, but they put up a good fight, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they're still really solid, really good teams with superstars like Shane Bieber and Jose Ramirez and Tim Anderson and Luis Robert and Byron Buxton and Carlos Correa, right? There's really good players here. It's just for whatever reason, it doesn't always come together as, um, nicely as we'd want it to. For the favorites, um, I, I think it's hard to go anyone except the Astros at this point. Uh, the Twins are playing them right now. So, you know, I'm getting a little bit more of that, uh, in depth. Uh, experience with them, especially once they get Jose Altuve back. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to have the best lineup in the American League. They, I think they already have the best uh, pitching in the American League. You know, the other real competitor for them, I think, is the Yankees. And I think they're just too old. I, I think yeah. that, you know, Judge had an amazing year, but he's not likely to stay that healthy again. Stanton's hurt every year and everybody else is, is pretty old, uh, especially with the pitching as well. In the National League, uh, I'm big on the Braves. I like the Braves a lot. I think uh, with Acuna another year removed from the ACL injury, he's going to look back like his MVP level self. And they've already been going deep without him the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you kind of have to mention the Mets, but they kind of fall into a similar situation as the Yankees where they have a lot of talent, but a lot of that talent's pretty old. And so it can go wrong pretty quickly. Yeah. I will say I my very first episode of this, I talked to – you know, an Astros person, that's who we had for opening day. And he actually said, you know, kind of post Verlander, he's almost a little worried about the team. And he was like, I think I have the White Sox winning your division. And I was like, that's cool. Cause I don't, <laughs> but um, so he, he actually expressed a lot of concerns where it's in the same tune as the Yankees and the Mets where those players are getting older. I mean, their first baseman is is my age, and I'm I'm too old to play baseball in baseball terms. Um, so he did kind of express those concerns about how the Astros might not be as great, and they have not started off on a healthy note. I mean, they were missing a ton of players for opening day too, but at the same time, they're going to be a threat forever. I feel like. Yeah, I, I think as as the season goes, obviously different teams will emerge. I mean, you saw that in 2019 when the Twins really jumped out and, you know, 
hit an American League record number of home runs and dominated the division for most of it, right? Teams emerge as the season goes on, but as of right now, I think you kind of have to default back to the favorites because there's so many questions, and especially in the American League, where a lot of the better teams are aging out almost, right? Even if you look at teams like the Twins and the White Sox, right, those young cores that teams were so excited about three, four years ago, they're not that young anymore, right? They're, they're more middle of the career. In the case of guys like Lance Lynn, maybe more end of the career. Uh, same thing with the Twins pitchers as well. Kenta Maeda, I think is 36. Sonny Gray is 34, right? Uh, things can go bad pretty quick. And so it'll be interesting interesting to see who that kind of next young batch to emerge is. Yeah, it's funny you say that. I When Buster Posey retired, that was one of the guys I always rooted for there were a lot of giants honestly that I really loved and I felt like I just had this weird crisis when he did retire so I I wrote this kind of elder millennials guide to your favorite players retiring because you know I'm at that age where some of these guys are my age and I've been watching them their entire career like I feel this way right now with Andrew McCutcheon like I know that the end is coming Yet I've watched him since the beginning of his career. You know, he, again, he started off on that Pirates affiliate team that I've been watching since I was like, like 10 or something. So, you know, it is kind of wild to see all these incredible players that you think of that they are reaching the end of their careers and you've got to make room for the young kids that you feel weird even talking about. Yeah. The, the twins, twin fans, I think had a very similar experience with Joe Maurer's retirement uh, back in 2018, he, I, I'm a little bit younger, but he's the first player where I remember like, oh, Joe Maurer, like that is the baseball guy, right? Obviously he's Minnesota born and raised, right? And so you have that attachment to him as well. But I remember when Maurer retired, you know, it's seeing this unfallible sports hero that, yeah, maybe he wasn't as good as he was as his peak at the end, but it's Joe Maurer. Joe Maurer is the twins. And so uh, I, I think Twins fans as a whole kind of had that little identity crisis back then. And luckily they were quickly treated to the 2019 season, which was the best twin season, you know, in a decade at that point. So yeah. that, that part made it a lot easier. Yeah. Even Lorenzo Kane is retired. Like he's yeah. he announced his retirement and the Royals are doing something really nice for him next month, like a nice retirement ceremony. And I'm like, I remember watching him dominate in the world series. And that just felt like two years ago, but really it was, you know, almost 10 at this point. I know. Time really flies, especially with baseball. Byron Buxton's almost 30. I still think of him in my head as, oh, this young guy who's looked really good when he's played, but, you know, he maybe still has some other flashes. No, he's he's on his second contract. He's almost 30. He's he's up there. Right. And so it's pretty crazy. Yeah, just wild. Yeah. I've got um, the Mariners kind of as my dark horse this year. Because I, I feel like they're they're going to be scary. They've got a ton of that young talent. They just, you know, recently really elevated that team full of young, healthy players, which what's that like to have, you know, <laughs> but I, and then the Orioles have been so much fun. I mean, they just beat the Yankees. They've got yeah. young talent. I mean, Rutschman is just out of this world with talent. Yeah, I- I think with so many questions, you know, it is good to default to who has that superstar level talent, right? And Julio Rodriguez is that with the Mariners, Adley Rutschman, obviously with the Orioles. And then it's funny that neither of us are even going to think about the Angels, even though they have maybe the two best players in the American League. And you already said that too, like nobody thinks about the Rangers. And right now, Jacob deGrom, it feels like he's back to peak 
DeGrom level, like best pitcher in baseball level again. And nobody's going to think about the Rangers this year. No, I, with the, with the Rangers, with the Angels, I think they're in a very similar boat, which is until you show us that you're serious, we're not going to take you serious. Yeah. So, so Tani wants to make his way to the south side of Chicago soon. We would welcome him with open arms. For, for the sake of baseball, we just need to get Otani in the playoffs. I don't care how it happens, <laughs> even if it's with the White Sox. I don't even care what team. He, yeah. He just needs – that guy deserves it, man. He was I mean, he's, he's single-handedly elevated the WBC, seemingly. And yes. so, you know, I think he could do the exact same thing for MLB if you just get him on a competent team, a semi-competent team. Yeah, I was I was rooting for Japan. I'm not even gonna lie. I was I was rooting against America because I just wanted Otani to have some kind of glory before he had to face reality and go back to the Angels. Definitely, poor guy. Well, um, again, thank you. Let us know where we can find you. Like this is this is your chance to plug yourself so that we can follow you and not give you crap like we typically do, Twins fans. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. So if you're curious about the twins, we have, uh, the twins talk podcast, like you mentioned before. Um, you release that every Monday. It's just kind of a weekly recap. We have a new prospect show that is going to be starting this next week, I believe, uh, which is going to be really good. And we have a lot of other things in the works that are coming as well, uh, that we'll, we'll keep behind wraps for now, but there's going to be a few other shows coming. And then, uh, if you want to follow the pod, check it out on any of your podcast platforms. You can follow on Twitter at twins talk pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Ben Jones underscore five. And then finally, if you're into more written stuff, you can check out uh, Twinkie Town where I run that site as well. Uh, we have a lot of good fun over there, especially with our game day threads. If you like the twins, you'll love the community and everything that we're doing over there. So be sure to check out Twinkie Town as well. Yes, I love Twinkie Town. I always like checking out. I mean, I always love to kind of get a feel of what other teams are doing anyway. That's that's why I started this entire podcast. But Twinkie Town is is one of the good ones that I always enjoy reading everything. Um, so again, thank you so much. Be sure to go follow Ben. And hey, best of luck in this series. Maybe you we'll too, Crystal. It. Thanks. <laughs> thank you. Bye. Bye. If I can turn off recording, we'll just. <laughs>